Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Hey, Canute. I'm having to drink some liquid death. Rethinking the brand. And you're still alive. Still alive. Pizza's about halfway down the esophagus. And uh, I hate myself. So it's a perfect time to panic with friends. Yeah, no kidding. I can't. I don't know what the hell's legal. What, I can't go to a grocery store. I'm like unprepared at this point. So we got another month. At least. I don't know if the numbers are worse or better. I just, uh, it's, I'm so disconnected from what the numbers are. It feels so far away, even though I know it's lurking. I think you're okay to go to a grocery store once in a while. Well, it's too late. I already have once in a while. But this pizza is just hurting me. I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> you let me order it too. I didn't stop you, no. No, exactly. All right. Speaking of pizza, Samil likes pizza. That's who we're calling. I think he likes pizza. He's a jovial fellow and one of the uh, younger, smarter uh, angel investors out there. A Haystack VC and a partner at Lightspeed. He uh, loves startups, loves people. And we're good friends, but we don't get to hang that much. So we're going to do a panic with friends with him. He feels more, he's not a, he's not a manscaped guy. So we're going to go with uh, pay it off. And then we'll call Samil. Payoff, venture back firm by us, builds the next generation of B2B repayment solutions for student debt. They've built the first federal debt API that helps any fintech or financial institution address student loans with their financial, within their financial services product. The average borer saves $3,000 per year from their personalized assessment and enrollment functionality. These tools are especially helpful during COVID-19 situation as millions of borers are losing part of their income or their jobs entirely. Companies using their API can provide immediate relief by enrolling them in income-driven repayment plans and forgiveness options. So go to payitoff.io, P-A-Y-I-T-O-F-F.io and get hooked up to save that $3,000 and get in the right loan. Reorganize yourself. The, uh, let's get some mail on the phone. Hello? Hey! There he is. He who his. You're, you're, you've, you've jumped the shark. You're on Panic with Friends. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm actually pretty, pretty relaxed, but I did make an espresso for this. Oh, you made an espresso? I had a pizza, so if I doze off, Canute steps in. <laughs> I had a meat lover's pizza, so I've already, uh, I've already pooped, uh, and, uh, but I may sleep. You may sleep. So right. meet Canute, who but may take over halfway. He's never done VC before, but you just talk more. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, wait, what is your, 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 friend, your colleague? K-Nut, Canute. 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 Norwegian. Yeah, he's from India. <laughs> The, uh, he's, he's Norwegian. Where were you born? I was born outside New York city. Oh, so you were born outside New York city. Is all your family back in New York? I have a small family in the U S and yes, they're all in the tri-state area in various levels of quarantine. And yeah, that part of the world just seems hotspot. What are you hearing? Um, I actually talked to a number of people from New York today and I think that it's just very eerie. Like a lot of people have left New York if they have, you know, place to go or family to live with, uh, elsewhere. Um, I think people are still doing grocery or like a little bit of delivery here. The subways are shut down except for a you know, quote unquote essential workers. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it seems like, uh, and I think I was looking at the charts, their peak, you know, their peak of their curve, the models show that it's supposed to be like a week from today or eight days from today. Uh Um, But yeah, it doesn't, doesn't seem good. And then I saw the picture, you know, you see the picture of the, uh, the coast guard comfort ship. And then you see the pictures of makeshift hospitals and Javits center or um, central park. And I mean, it's almost, you couldn't write a script like that, you know, it's crazy. And you're in San Fran or outside San Fran. I'm outside San Francisco in the suburbs. Um, 
And, you know, I, I have been practicing social distancing for over a month now. Um, and it was really Twitter that got me. Can you speak up a little more? Just speak up a little more. It it, it was really Twitter that got me to think about it. Yeah, Um, me too. I don't know if that was the same for you, but you know, it was basically like getting information from Twitter, then talking about it with other people in real life and then friends on Twitter, reinforcing it to me and then back in chat groups. And so like people were amplifying it around me and then, you know, people that I respected were like, Hey, I'm taking this seriously. And then boom, you know, I'm from Georgia. So I just found out about it today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't, isn't the CDC in Georgia? I don't know. I'm hearing so much stupidity. Like who cares at this point? Like stupid people are like, unfortunately going to get swept away. I mean, tsunamis were probably smart people, sadly, of course, and every American's equal in my opinion, uh, except for me, uh, cause I'm Canadian and American. The, um, so it's just, when I hear stupidity, I just fucking, I, I lose my mind. I lose my mind because they have one job is during a crisis to leave. Yeah. They don't even have to do anything else. The expectations are so low. Yeah. I think the main thing now with Twitter too, and like politicians is politicians may not be getting their information fast enough. Then they're getting it from multiple sources and they have an incentive to like quote, keep the peace or keep business running. And you know, the way our system is set up, we've outsourced a lot of this to the governors, right? Yeah. Um, to the States. And so you end up becoming a subject of your governor. Right. And so did your governor wake up and say that, you know, you can still go to church and still go to spring break and, you know, keep the economy going? Or did your governor say, hey, we're shutting it down and we're going to have to deal with it? And it's it's sort of a judgment call, right? Um, yeah, it's a judgment for those call. People. But you, hopefully they have so, good judgment and have a good network. And it just, uh, anyways, well, let's, yeah. we, we can beat that to death. So let's introduce yourself and what you do. Yep. So my name is Samil Shaw. And oh, wait a minute. A, Samil, you're tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll call you back tomorrow. I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Samil, you're number 65. Why? How'd you get, sneak up to 41? Did you get, tweet this link the, out or something? I get, I get the, uh, I get the, fr- isn't the Friday <laughs> slot for panic with friends? And yes. Coveted, seven right? people, the mar- the seven people ending. died yesterday. You jumped up seven spots. Oh my God. It's okay. Oh God. We didn't like them. No, keep going. No one died for you to be here. <laughs> uh, Samil Shaw, I am a, like, like Howard, an early stage investor and Howard, one of the people that was generous to like show me the ropes a little bit. And I'm also a venture partner at Lightspeed and do entirely private investing. And I'm, I am kind of a markets junkie like you and your audience, but I don't follow it daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you, you know, do you, do you I think observe. you're picking up stuff from observing? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Huh. I mean, I, you, know, you don't hate I it. You don't hate it. You're not annoyed by it. No, I think it's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. And no, no, no. I love it. I love s- it. But uh, all right. So 100 percent private. And so let's uh, go through what you're doing yeah. now. So so Haystack VC. Yep. Uh, you know, basically wear two hats. I invest in you know early stage companies. Usually the people already have a product out. The rounds investment rounds are small the valuations are low and we're trying to work with people we like. It's very simple. It's very social. Um, and then over at Lightspeed, obviously is a larger fund. I'm, I'm just a venture partner there, but you know, sit in all the partner meetings and you know, they have companies going public, public exposure, things like that. So I, I see a lot of the life cycle management of a fund, mm-hmm. uh, by being there and, you know, three years before that I was with TGV doing that role. Um, but they, you know, the reason had a great I take, run, you must have learned a lot uh, there both these firms have yeah. done amazingly well. Obviously every VC firm now, when you start putting real dollars to work is going to have some, some work to do right now, um, sure. especially on their large exposure deals. Uh, but there's no escape from that. And the reason I was texting you is I remember back like four or five years ago when I gave that little talk at Lindsay Palooza mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, Hey, what can, what can public market investors learn from the private markets to inform their stock picks? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was so much fun. Um, I mean, I learned so much just from like quarterbacking that talk. Yeah. And I was think, you know, I've been the main conversation I've been having with consumer investors recently has been like, hey, what's going to happen to demand, consumer demand one, and then two, like, 
where's the value going to split between atoms and bits in the public markets? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a way to see what has been happening in private markets that could inform where the public markets are going to go once this thing, you know, starts to shake out. And what, like before it said not to wreck that train of thought, what are you thinking? Yeah. It, it's two, it's, it's two trains. It's, it's the aggregate consumer demand obviously is going to be lowered and you have everything from people losing 10% of their household income, 30% to their industry being fucking wiped out. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just crazy. Crazy. Um, and, and like, you know, it, it's totally uh, a fantasy to think that people are going to have the emotional energy to like restart things with a clean head. Yeah. They're going to mm-hmm. be so fucked up. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that is terrible. And so when, when the demand contracts, the aggregate consumer demand contracts, and I think that will be not forever, but quite prolonged. I mean, Correct. you're not going to go start spending money. Well, you and I may, but most people won't. Yeah, I think most people won't. I think most people will kind of say, hey, like, I'm going to hold on to this because I don't, there can be a coronavirus every year, right? No, no, no. I'm just saying I won't because I know what I want. Yeah. I'll go grab it quickly. I don't like it mill around yeah, yeah. at malls. I, I'm, uh, I'm like, I know what I want. Go grab it. I don't mill at the mall for a day. So, I mean, I know. But what I'm saying is like habit. this. I'm just saying more discretionary income of like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, people weren't thinking about like, you know, I have a friend, she's got two kids and she booked a cruise on Disney next year. She's like, yeah, I need to get that money back. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, they're not going to think that ever again. They'll just say, here's Disney plus sweetie. Yeah. And And then here's Disney plus and meet your (laughs) uncle. He drinks a lot, just like everybody else on the cruise. Hang out with him. Oh my! <laughs> yeah. By the, by the way, by the way, what do as as someone you know you you both follow these stocks? Like, what do you think is happening to Disney? Because that's I, not something. I don't want you to interview me, but I was a Super Bowl for years, and I wrote it as anything as a, a, it's just I didn't sell sold some as I always do on the way up, but uh, I'm super bearish. And I mean by super bearish, I'm not short the stock, but when it went down to like 80 and then when it got over a hundred, I'm like, that's the best I'm going to see for a while. And, you know, and I'll regroup. And I, I try and tell people when, when you enter a different market, doesn't matter what you paid anymore. It's just preserve your capital and you just scratch it out and you regroup. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. the luxury of being a public market investor versus a private investor is you move the chains and the world has changed and you can add up your account every day and you don't worry about what you pay, which is the biggest mistake people make. And, uh, which is the hard part of going back and forth to, cause I can't do that with private companies. You talk to your founders and you go, okay, we want to get through this. Do you really love what you're doing? Then let's go. Uh, yeah. or did the world just change and we're fucked? And that's how do we shut down quietly and without hurting people, you know? Uh, luckily, we haven't had much of that or any of that, but uh, other people you're saying have. Like, I was just reading the bird story, and I'm like, I never loved the idea. Uh, oh, I didn't read the bird story. What happened? I think they laid off 40. I mean, it makes sense. They had to lay off, like, 40% of the staff, because who wants to touch a See, bird? And Yeah, so I think... Yeah, I think there are these certain companies, and we all know of some of them, that are just squarely right in the crosshairs of, like, events, concerts, gatherings, and transport, and travel. And travel, yeah. Where it's where it's like, what do you do? And I mean, and even in Apple stores, like, you know, my wife just ordered a laptop because she did it all online, but yeah, uh, do you yeah. want to go touch all the phones and iPads? And uh, I'm sure Apple's working on some gloves, that, uh, you know, for the stores. <laughs> no, they have to I be. I think they should... They should release an eye mask, right? I mean, that's they perfect. probably will, and yeah. but they'll probably have it at least at the store level. Companies like that are already sourcing them to just give because they want people back in the stores. They need it. So, I mean, I you know, my opinion is the companies will figure this out because they have to. The big ones, the small ones, get fucked. So we're in this era of the big get mm. bigger and the small get smaller. But a conglomerate is not a good thing to be in right now. So conglomerates were working for a while, but Disney's too big a conglomerate. I don't want my theme park uh, 
mixed with Disney Plus. So if they spin off Disney Plus, I'm bullish on Disney. If Disney Plus stays part of Disney, why the hell do I want to own something where consumer well, behaviors are changing? So that's super interesting because, like, if everything you I say, large... if you listen, is super interesting. So I, I find that insulting. You sound okay, surprised. but if you're if, if you're an institute, if you're like, a, you know, okay, okay, let's let's play both sides of this. Mm-hmm. If you're an institutional investor, don't you want Disney as a conglomerate to have different revenue streams so that when shit happens, like the internet goes out because there's flooding or nuclear waste. Yeah. If you're a pension or whatever, again, this is not a good time for me to have a lot of money. This is a great time to be nimble. So mm. I don't have to worry about those assholes. I only, what I try and teach people is worry about what you can control. And what I can control was, Hey, I can't make Disney go back to all time highs. Maybe it will, but I want to regroup with the liquid cash mm. that I have after mm-hmm. suffering the loss that I have and position myself to spring forward with whatever the next bull market would be. And if it's telemedicine, why do I need to own Disney in a world that go, is going telemedicine? Or if it's biotech, meaning I love I Disney, it doesn't mean I rooting for them, but unless they spin off mm-hmm. Disney Plus, I don't need the headache of the parks. And that's the so luxury of, of public markets is you get to change right. your mind. Right. If you okay, so let's, oh, time's up. That was a great oh. call. Uh, we'll see you next year on my Panic with Friend Disney cruise. If you okay, uh, Disney is fascinating to me because it's like it's you know, and I've been reading your blog. It is one of the premium stocks to own, right? It is in the the, it the top ten. It was. It was okay. Okay, so you have your theme parks. You have merch. Um, you have all the IP that's been put into Disney yep. plus then you have all the other networks like ESPN and stuff. Yep. Right. And so basically if they didn't have plus what would have happened right now? Like if they hadn't shipped that right when they shipped it, but it kind of hasn't helped them. Meaning it's helped Netflix more than it's helped Disney because Netflix is super focused. Now we could blame, and that's the conglomerate mentality. And, and it's really hard always to own conglomerate stocks because they generally don't do as well in a world where growth matters. Meaning I don't think people should own stocks, especially young people, unless they're trying to fucking crush the market. What do they want market returns? I don't understand market returns. So, I mean, obviously I'm just way different than people. It's like, what if I want, I'm either in cash or I want to beat, I don't even look at the markets. I just want all my assets to outperform and be in growth mode. So everybody's different. I just don't understand why you invest in risky assets to make market returns. I'm always trying to like, okay, I'll just take cash. Like I'd rather just focus on finding things that really excite me. And I think bear markets, the smart people clean, you know, it's like gardening, clean up their portfolios. The problem we have with private markets is, um, Mm is we don't have that luxury. So tell me, like, the, you've written this great series of posts. Uh, you've taken the time yourself and written this great series of posts for young investors and for founders. Uh, and give me the titles of all of them. Uh, we'll, we'll, the titles, I just saw them. You put them in. Well, well, so it's kind of a funny story for, for a Twitter geek. And someone, um, when this uh, virus was sort of spreading, someone looked at my pin tweet, which was my predictions for 2020. Uh-huh. Um, and I hadn't updated it and they were like, yeah, you might want to change that. And I kind of realized over this, over this month I've been writing, okay, what should investors, sorry, what should founders be doing in a pandemic world? How are investors, private investors, VCs behaving in a pandemic world? How do you change your business models and go to market in a pandemic world? How do you manage reserves? And so I put that all in my new pin tweet, but basically the, the literary device I'm using is how do you do blank? in a pandemic world. How do you eat a meat lover's pizza in the afternoon Good point. and actually stay awake in a pandemic world? Yeah. I mean, because it, it's so different. And by the way, I like, not that I'm like been an investor for a while, but I just laugh when people are like, what can we draw from 2000 and 2001 and 2008 yeah. to this? I'm like, nothing, zero, nothing, zero, zero, zero. Even so, my definition of what Lulu is and Apple is like, no, because the stores are going to have to change. Now, they obviously, they have big stores, so people yeah. can space. But, like, if you're a small, hot restaurant with, like, loud music or, like, uh, Car- like Carbones, which I was in a month and a half ago, it's like the last, I may never go to Carbones again. Because I don't need to be crowded with 30 people, you know, yelling. Yeah. You know, I grew up working at restaurants, and I love to cook, and I used to work as a cook. I mean, so just that part of this whole thing for me is, like, 
I just, it's so hard to, it's devastating. Did um, you watch Chef? It was a great show. Chef. On Netflix. Which, like, on Netflix. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, it was great. Course. It was great. Of course. The, I'm a um, sucker for that stuff. So, so, so keep going on the, on the, you were talking so about. We, so we have one, we have this aggregate demand and then it's shifting, right? So the household spend used to be X. Now it's going to be 30 to 60% of X, right? Mm-hmm. And it's shifting towards more digital experiences, in-home experiences, maybe cooking supplies, maybe groceries. It's, you know, some of this demand shift is transient. But I do think for a period of time, you're not going to be taking that trip to Hawaii or trip to Florida or trip to Disneyland or whatever, right? Because of this, um, these public health issues. And then also like, you know, a lot of these restaurants are going to die or, or places. And then, you know, we could even see spikes in the food supply. So I think that like, uh, the demand shift is interesting to think about too. Like, you know, you might think of to go back to like a stock twits sort of audience is like, okay, does Lululemon just get crushed by Peloton now because Peloton's in the home. They offer the hmm. same thing. They're going to go, they're going to go into apparel and then you get the daily engagement, right? What, how Genius. does Lululemon? I didn't even think about that. Ooh, I was thinking about should Netflix buy them, but really Lulu may have to buy them. Uh, I actually put them in my blog post the other day. I said, if, if someone bids on Peloton, it'll be a bidding war. Meaning oh, whoever jumps sure. at Peloton first. So I was trying yeah. to give this thesis to some friends um, because I'm not a Peloton user. And, and uh, it's a really good point you bring up. Cause, and then I, like, two days ago, I'm like, fuck, I wish I had a Peloton because I don't want to ride and, and, and get hurt and you're have not to go a to real, the hospital. You're not, you're not a real investor then. But, meaning... Meaning what? Though? No, I know you're joking, but <laughs> I'm joke. missing the. No. Uh, oh no, I'm. I'm oh, not a real like, investor in the in the company. Yeah. But what I'm trying to think through yeah. in this post-pandemic world as it relates to big brands is they got a little yeah. bit lucky. They obviously made some great moves in going to the uh, subscription business, and 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 my yes. and Ryan Spoon, who introduced is friends with us, and yeah. Andrew Machado, and all these guys who were Peloton freaks on the East Coast have been aboard this forever, but they haven't gotten the, the spike in the stock. And I always looked at the Peloton store next to the Lulu store. And I'm like, it's empty at the Peloton store impact at the Lulu store. But you're right. There could be a switch because if the stores stop being busy and Peloton's already in your home and the quality of their product, again, I don't know if it's going to be that easy, but I think if, if, if Netflix bid or somebody bid for Peloton, there'd be five bidders. Um, Yes, I think there's no question there would be bidders. Um, and and that goes to your demand thing, so I keep interrupting. So the demand goes, shift? No, no, that, that goes to the demand shift, so that's kind of one thing. And then, you know, kind of the – I forgot my train of thought on the second thing I've been thinking about. Um, come back to it. Well, well, we'll come back to it. So, so you changed your – what were some of your predictions for 2020 that uh, just – Oh. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's not even embarrassing. It's more like completely irrelevant. It feels like Got it. 19 years ago. Um, but, but now I've been sort of, you know, trying to talk to a lot of investors, like pro- probably like you, I'm talking to three or four friends a day mm-hmm. just to kill time or commiserate or, or learn about what they're doing. And I'm trying to put my thoughts, you know, have them go through my head, go through my fingertips and, you know, kind of go, um, but it, but you know, I do feel bad. There's going to be a lot of founders who, um, you know, are just going to have to make pretty pretty brutal choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. we, I don't know the but, second phase of brutal choice. The first brutal phase I've been through because we've talked to all the companies that needed to be talked to and needed our help as lead investors yeah. and and companies that we, you know, are are either doing great or could be doing great or struggling or need to uh, quietly be put down. And um, what comes in 60 days if we're still on zoom? Like, I don't know if that's going to, no one knows if that's really going to happen. Like it's all fun and games on zoom for a week or two weeks, but what's after six weeks, no one knows. That's what I'm saying. It's not like 2008 or not like 2001. So, so going back to these shifts, right, I was sort of thinking like, okay, for this chat and in your audience where like, you know, that, that awesome piece of the public market where you can change your mind or you can turn on a dime on Disney. You can just say my, I wake up tomorrow and my whole thesis on Disney and switch. 
how how can you you know are there things happening or have been happening in the private market that can um, can start to inform how people may place uh, public market bets, if you will, for sure. Right? So so like Fred said, all his educational companies that like they invested in ten years ago just tripled in value. So I don't think you can yes. in a private market. You know what I mean? All these people rushing to education yep. are forgetting that there were some companies that are big that just weren't getting attention that now get valuations. But see, uh, well, of course, uh, Fred and USV figured out how to ride any any bad switch, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how they, they do that or the fact that, like, if you think about three of the companies that have been the biggest beneficiaries from this on the demand side, Zoom, Instacart, Sequoia, I mean, Zoom, Instacart, and DoorDash are all Sequoia companies. It's unbelievable. Huh. Um, if you think about Good Eggs, uh, Bill Gurley recapped Good Eggs at 150 Post about 18 months ago. Uh-huh. They're at Marco Polo. Um, so, so again, Wait a minute. Good eggs, it, so what does Good Eggs do? I don't even know. Good Eggs is a uh, grocery uh, company that's going right from farms and distributors right oh, to your home. Perfect time for that. Oh, I mean, the storm. demand is out of, out of control. Got it. Um, the demand is out of control. I think a lot of people like the USV folks were interested in education either for the fact that you could take a lot of fat out of the industry or the whole Peter Thiel, you know, it's a bubble thing. And that's probably true. I do think a lot of parents are going to rush to t- send their kids back to school because they don't want them around Home the house. Homeschool. Yeah. Home they don't want them around hard. the house. And homeschooling is hard. And also homeschooling works when you have other people coming in and out of your house saying, okay, so-and-so is going to teach art. And so-and-so is going to teach math. And, you know, uh, humans are involved in yeah. this stuff. So no, I, think I agree with you. A lot, of, a lot of people are jumping the shark on Twitter about, you know, this means that this is going to do everything. Yeah. I do think, I do think behaviorally people who are, who are uh, scrambling to provide video services and show their value are going to face a day when people start coming back into the economy and sort of saying, you know, I don't want to pay for that. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is, everything is going to be re underwritten. Yeah. And that's where medicine comes in. I want my cross state. I want the best of the best. I want, uh, I'll pay more for the right doctor to telemedicine me. So I'll pay premium for that. So I think telemedicine for sure. Um, I think, you know, work from home, I'm biased because I've always worked from home, I guess, theoretically. Um, So I don't know, I don't have to chase anything there, but I think there'll be a lot of chasing as people, like you said, come to education, but realize the money may have already been made in a lot of these places. Because like you said, teaching your kids at home is not fun if you have a real job. Yeah, yeah. And, And then it's all these issues around how old are your kids? Is it dual income household? You know, are there any special needs? So I, I, I think like separate of COVID, I do think homeschooling is going to, was, was on an upward trajectory itself. This pandemic has flipped the switch where it has accelerated the demand for certain things like groceries or video learning or telemedicine. And it's also accelerated the demise and death of other things, companies that shouldn't have existed companies that weren't growing companies that didn't have the right engagement model, you know? Um, and so it's unfortunate and it's not fair, but you know, at the end of the day, if we go back to Peloton and Lulu, what is the difference between the two? If I can go on to Peloton and buy cool pants and a button down and, uh, what's the difference? I agree. No, I mean, that's the fringe of why, you know, you got to really rethink and you can't, you, you have to be open, at least with public markets, yeah. you have to be yeah. open to just selling things that you thought were like guaranteed winners and yes. switching course. That's the luxury of being in private markets. But again, I'm 90%. I talk a lot about public markets, but I'm 90% private markets. So uh, oh, for really? me, yeah, for me, nothing's changed, right? Like I, I just, huh. for me, nothing's changed. I think kids will want to learn. It's just a language. So to me, money's a language. So if it's if it's about the internet of money and crypto, or if it's about do-it-yourself investing, that's all I'm betting on. Is that and that's just been a boom, right? Like I don't know. Let's take out. I'll just take out all the money out of this and say what has worked. Well, the markets have still open. That's fascinating to me. 
Like in the end, I was actually going to be okay at one point during the panic a couple weeks ago for them to close the markets. Now I'm like grateful they didn't. And guess what? Uh, sports close, stadiums close. We all cancel events. But guess what? People showed up to keep the markets open, which is pretty amazing because it was like a terrorist attack. So we were, we survived a 90 VIX, which is more than 08. So that's pretty hey, fascinating. Hey, you, I'm, I'm, I'm like not, I'm not as well-versed in this world as you. I, like I'm in third grade. Tell me what the VIX means and why it's important. I don't get yeah, this. It, VIX is just a measure of volatility because, uh, you know, in, in for, for years we've had a very low VIX, meaning the market goes up or down within a small band. It just doesn't move that mm-hmm. much. And then all of a Got sudden it. the VIX measures the range of, of movement during the day and the VIX has moved from, you know, and how, 10 how to much, 90. How much, of, how much of that has been algorithmically driven? Because I had a lot of my friends who work, you know, down on, down on one around Wall Street saying like most of that, most of those doesn't matter how because if machines panic or humans panic, it's still the same measurement. It's just the range. And so um, mm. I don't care whether it's computers. So my t- spider tinglys go up when the VIX is above 30. What's happened here is it's been today. The number was Charlie was telling me uh, that it's been above 50 the longest time in history. So like, again, just another data point to say, this is not like a one, not like Oh eight, meaning even though it's calm out there, the VIX, these financial measures are working. Like they're, they're giving you some context historically. doesn't mean it's not going to be better than it ever was, but right now we are in a moment of history, which is fascinating, which is at the most volatility of all time for the longest period of time. And that's why I'm really cons- you know cautious, meaning all those people that think we're going to come back so quickly this time, just like you said to me, it's a demand. This thing is different. Yeah. And we got to keep, we got to keep really talking through these things and keeping our eyes open because I don't think there is any layups. The only layup so far has been, uh, that, that the medical people continue to do great job. The nurses continue to be great underpaid people, right? Like the things that we knew that we didn't respect and that the markets, even though there's crazy people in charge at the state and federal level, they're working. They may not be working the way you want them to work, but they're working. Hmm. And those are the only three things that are working right now. And then local community, people are rallying. A lot of people are rallying locally. Do you feel, oh, for sure. Do you feel that um, the market as it's being propped up right now is stable or that it's, we're in a very tenuous position. Uh, we were. I mean, we continue to be tenuous because none of us know what the real data is. So we'll just have to say I've, I've gone from like, uh, you know, we've gone from a, a 12 years of buy the dip to a moment where we're not sure. So I'd call it a transition moment. Yeah. And I hope, you know, I'll wait and to see when the coast is clear. And so the yeah. same, you know, I have the saying now that VCs don't want to say, which is zoom up, zoom up, pencils down. Are you, what's the truth that you think is happening? What does zoom up, pencils down? Meaning mean? I'll zoom, but pencils are down. Like just lead with, you know, we want to do deals, but. Uh, uh, from a deal. Yeah. So what we did at Haystack is, we're absolutely meeting new entrepreneurs. Um, like you were at the top of the funnel, right? So a lot of people out there, um, what we did is we created a new process for zoom that has a few more speed bumps, um, to make sure that we're making good decisions. Um, and we tell the entrepreneur that upfront. So we are more careful about what gets in at the top of the funnel. Then there's an initial zoom screen that I'm not a part of. Then the whole team has sent notes. We review the notes, and then I sort of say, okay, I want to Zoom with that team or not. Then I do the Zoom, and then I promise the entrepreneur two weeks from that Zoom, we'll give them an answer, right? Um, and so it's it's a more structured thing. Uh, we haven't made a new, like a new relationship, new investment in the last month. Um, but like you, everyone is adjusting to a new thing. So it's just who wants to make a decision in, in that kind of framework. We've also been going back and creating shopping and sell lists. And I want to come back to this idea for your audience, but okay, what are the deals that we wish we got into or things we pass on that we regret? What are those top five to 10 
companies, let's go hmm. call the founders in the next month. And also because we have a lot of upstream relationships, what are companies that we feel really strongly about that we can share with our VC friends to say, hey, look, you may not do a deal in Q2. That's fine. I totally get it. But here are some companies we're excited about. Here's who's in the companies. And, you know, do any of them interest you? You know, and so using the social proof of the existing relationship, um, the idea I had for the Stocktwist audience is what's different about this crisis now being in 2020 versus the last one in 2008, 2009 mm-hmm. for the, for the public market investor who is interested in technology and, and sort of thesis driven stock picking like you are is now secondary markets are much more active. Mm-hmm. So if somebody in the stock audience knew that had a thesis around this pandemic saw what was happening in Italy, said, okay, this is going to happen in the U.S., mm-hmm. and then goes on the secondary market and starts buying good egg shares, mm-hmm. right? You can do that now. That is really interesting. Oh, that's interesting. You know? No one's done that because there's so much opportunity to make money. Just in the, 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 the reason the public markets are so magical is I've had a bunch yeah. of guests that have made a fortune in these public instruments, just S&P puts. Like, there's no reason to express it in the private markets because you don't yeah. get the liquidity two days later. So if you, so there are people, and we've been talking about it, it's like, what the fuck were we thinking? We saw them building a hospital two months ago in China. Who cares what the yeah. news said? Shame on us. So as much as right. we say Twitter helped us, it fucking, we still fucked it up, right? Yeah. As great as Twitter I, well, well, is, it also yeah. spreads so much disinformation at the exact same time from very high levels. So I know Silicon Valley is being way too nice and way too mean uh, to Twitter, right? They're too, the yeah. reason it works for you is because you live on it. But if you don't live on it, you live on Fox or MSNBC or, you know, if you're a certain age, you live on one of those three channels. And they went from like even CNN or MSNBC, they might've covered the China story, but they were covering the impeachment and how much we hate or how much they hate, you know, this or that. And now the one thing they all agree on is having a death number on the uh, keyboard and death number on the screen. And so we're, you know, we went from pretty much denial to death number. So yeah. that's yeah. one of the reasons I'm a little more bullish is, you know, well, now, so- now it's 24 seven. Here's the death count which, you know, doesn't happen at tops. Like if they had that death count two months ago, there wouldn't have been a virus. Right, right. We would have killed it in China. We would have killed it. But but, uh, but here's the the thing about the information, right? Like, so just separate from Twitter, I do think that there are people out there, individuals. I I think what the point I'm trying to make is that the tools and markets are now available. Yeah. so So that someone who's, who lives in the public market or lives on stock twits and doesn't really think about Instacart or DoorDash or these companies, they can actually now, if, if they had a view on this, and I'm just using this as an example, but there could be future ones where you kind of say, you know, I actually think that like, uh, let's say this company tonal, mm-hmm. like it's sort of like a Peloton style company, yeah. you know, I think this is kind of interesting. The valuation's under 100. You know, I might want to get some exposure to that company. Or, um, you know, hey, I think Carta now is going to become more valuable uh, because you can start trading shares in this. So all these little things that I think that weren't possible in the previous crisis um, are now possible. They're still a little opaque, but people, I'm sure you get these emails, they send their buy and sell sheets almost every week about yeah. what people are looking no, for. No, you're, you're dead on. You're just early. I wish, I wish that was available, but it'll be the, we're probably one cycle away from, or the end of the next cycle. We'll have everybody trading that way just before the next top. You think so it's too uh, inaccessible? It's too early, right meaning Carta, let's say they raise another billion and they probably are raising money, but let's say they raise another billion. Then yeah, in the next yeah. four or five years, They'll have the inklings of this AngelList. It's because a lot of times Twitter didn't do its job. AngelList, as great as all these products are, they didn't. Bitcoin, we could have been there by now, but because all these systems are pretty much closed and everybody and VC exists and closes mm-hmm. everything down because you got to make money eventually. Um, mm-hmm. 
it prevented that from happening today. But, you know, those are the things that get me mad about the system is they take longer, especially around FinTech, mm. right? Like if Twitter had stayed open, we'd already be solving these problems. Um, but it's not possible yeah. unless they hadn't raised money. So so that's where your your instincts are correct. I think you're just a little bit farther off. Got it. And then and so, so when the do second, you think you, will you write a big yeah. check without meeting the founder? Have you written a big check without meeting the founder? And I'm talking more than 100K, like for a VC? No. Exactly. No. So, so, so how would you in 60 days, so either we have to get on planes and rush to go meet these founders or have them rush to meet us. So I just don't know how we speed that process up post COVID. Um, I've been thinking a lot about it. It's a great question, Howard. I think a couple of things, like I can only look out into Q2 right now in terms of my physical whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like Q2 is all going to be in and around my house. That's what it is. Um, like you, we have a lot of relationships with other people where people will share flow. Like we looked at a deal today where my friend is on the board and he's raising kind of a top up round and he shared it with us and we met the team and the team had gone to graduate school with a bunch of my friends. And so there's ways to like shortcut the social proof of like, how do you even know this person? Um, and then considering an investment. So I think it's possible. Um, so I, I, I want to say that there's a better than 50-50 chance we write a meaningful check in Q2. But I think the both the bar of what we're going to invest in in terms of like the meat on the bone mm-hmm. and then also the, the proof around knowing that, hey, this person isn't an axe murderer. They're a good person. They're talented. These other people vouch for them. It will also be even more important. Right. Yeah. Um, now the trouble is, and this is going to impact all of us as seed investors, Howard, the larger funds right now, they have no incentive to do anything. Their number one thing is how Help do I triage my, yeah. Por- yeah. triage my portfolio, go, go shopping in companies that I wasn't able to get into that I already have a relationship with, you know, bridge certain companies. And then it's like, okay, then I can talk about a new relationship, you know? And um, they just don't have any incentive to do anything. Now, will deals happen? I think deals will happen. Will they take meetings? They will keep taking meetings because they want to stay, you know, with their ear to the ground. Position than ever. Oh, I do not think founders have realized how hard and how fast, how hard and how fast that switch is flipped. Yep. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and and I basically think like. April will be a very distracting month for a lot of people for a lot of really bad reasons, economic and public health wise. I think once May kicks in in June, like the pricing in the private markets for the early stage stuff is going to be cut in half, if not more. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm leading uh, with zoom up pens down and pencil down. And I'm saying, you know, Hey, listen guys, yeah. uh, here's the stake. Unless it's something magical that you're about to show me, you know, I can't 60, you know, I'm just being, I'm, I'm, I, I consider myself professional, but like these are the reasons I can't do deals. I'm just trying to explain to them the business. It's like, hey, I don't want to bug my LPs at a time like this. It's like, maybe it's the greatest thing of all time, but like, I don't want to get fired for chasing deals in you know, a bad and, market. But here's the other thing too, right? Um, I, I seem to like three or four times a week, I'm in a conversation and I quote Mike Maples. And Mike Maples has always said, as an investor, you have to get paid for the risk you take. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting paid for the risk you take, then why are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. So if you're investing in a new company and you have a portfolio to build, and this is in the private market, mm-hmm. you have to really ascertain what is the risk we're taking, yeah. right? There's opportunity cost. There's actual cash coming out of the fund mm-hmm. and it's a potential reserve against it. And your time and attention diverted towards this project. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think people are now going to view the risk they're taking with a different lens. Oh, yeah. Because I can, I can tell you, and and I can tell you like a lot of our friends, like what I've told other VCs, like with smaller funds who are just like, you know, started in the last 10 years, pick, pick three of your friends. One of them won't be able to raise their next fund. Mm-hmm. In the in the time that they wanted to, For the sure. other one will have LP. The other one will have LP default. LP defaults. Yep. The other one will have an amazing stroke of luck, like Fred 
hitting, you know, three homeschooling companies and one fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there'll be one that kind of makes it through. And like, that's going to happen to everybody. Yeah. Not only is it going to happen to everybody. And from my end, I see it the other one, this is where public markets helped me. I'm now told my partners is like last week when I, I took, like I was working 40 hours a day because I was watching the markets every minute because I was shooting for some venture capital returns, IRR returns in a week or two weeks of time. So why take 10 years when I can try and focus? And see, this is where the VIX at 90 is like, where Mike Maples is correct, he's correct. But when the VIX is above 90, you gotta understand that there's people that can make venture type returns trading options and, oh. and, and oh, compressing sure. what takes 10 years into three months. So you have, not only do you have the competition, so what you said is, not only do we have founders that don't really understand this yet because it's not, and then let's say it's not even their fault. It's just the system. And then you have a demand shift and then you have other asset classes that all of a sudden compete with venture capital because not only do you have potential for venture capital returns, but you have liquidity. So you have all this going on combined with what you said about one out of four funds making it. And so, I mean, I don't know how you explain that in a zoom call, I guess or you explain that in a podcast. You have to have experienced markets. And like you just said, it's not even, you can't explain this because you throw COVID in and it's not like 01 or 08. And that's why I have to, that's why you're asking what the VIX means. If you don't know what the VIX means, now you know. And you don't have to know exactly what it means. You just have to know that this is the highest the VIX has ever been for this long a period of time. Gives you the context to say, okay, all right, well, I'll give, you know, the measurement's always been the same, therefore, this is different. Do you think that there could be a run on banks? I mean, no one knows. I mean, you, that, like, if you believe one side, oh, they're in great position. If you believe the other, if you believe the chaos side, like Raul, who I interviewed, it doesn't matter what the banks say, because we don't know what's going to happen in three months from now if the virus is still popping up and, you know, and none of us know that. So I think... The only thing we do know is to, you know, is to be careful and to, you know, be honest with the people that we're talking to about the, the capacity for us to do deals, which is kind of what you and I are doing, I guess. Right. And then how are you personally, like, isolating yourself? Are you in Arizona now or what are you doing? Yeah, we're in Arizona. Knut and I have given each other the virus, so... uh so we sleep together he gave it to me yeah. so our kids should be virus proof if can who would be the, who would have the kid here you or i can it <laughs> we're not there yet that'll be the third cycle from now. we're a little far away from that yeah. but you know but if can and i had a kid this kid would be virus proof because we're just giving it to each other 10 times and then the Domino's oh guy gave God. it to us and then he sat on the same toilet as me about an hour ago so, um, what was the question? I forget the question. <laughs> I said, what, what, do you, how are you, what are you doing in isolation? Where are you? It's hard for us because Max, I was saying Max is kind of. Oh, that's know, right. He's, he's home, right? He's not home. He's got an apartment. And okay. uh, so, he's struggling with it because he wasn't locked down enough. And so, Ellen and I kind of mm. were like, you can't, you know, you got to be really careful. Um, so, yeah. he's, he's freaking yeah. out. Rachel's at home, but going back and yeah. forth to college but staying you know isolated and i don't know how to i'm not i'm not uh i'm not uh what do you call it i'm not a freak about germs and i'm not a freak Mm. about getting sick because i've been in the hospital so often the last year and um i'm more of like the tempter is like i'm a fatalist going I'll do what I can. I don't want to infect other people randomly, but I'm not going to wash my food and follow every rule and wear a mask. I'm not that guy. Got it. And then um, a couple other things. Like, I I just want to learn from you. So, like, two weeks ago, I don't watch the stocks every day like you do, although now I've slowly been doing it more. Mm-hmm. How was how Lyft worth $5 billion or Snap $5 billion? Like, I mean, it it didn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, I certainly understood that like the demand shock is going to you know really crush Uber and Lyft. But how did those companies go from like twenty billion to five? Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a bear market, and I think people are just starting to yeah. see. You know, uh, I did, remember I did people don't snap, remember in two thousand one. Snap at five billion. Yeah, I mean, that was too good. Yeah, some people. 
again, it's contextual. The way I look at the markets is, you know, snap at 5 billion versus what at 150 billion. Is there some context there? Because the math never makes mm. sense right now because everything's got this TAM that seems, you know, everybody's got this pie in the sky TAM number in their head uh, that's going to have to compress. So I don't think it's as easy. You know, I don't know those answers. You know, to me, it's, it's why I've been way more conservative. Like I said, I took, I don't care what I paid for Disney three years ago. I, I care that it's worth this today and the world changed and I can just regroup. And I think right, I have to do that right. with every single investment, which is what I've kind of been harping on on Twitter or on StockTwits is, hey man, the only advice I can give you is stop thinking about, you know, what this is worth today or what it was worth three weeks ago. It's what can you live with going forward? And uh, I think it's, it's really resonating. And so what you're saying is like as a public market investor, and I'm sure VCs are doing this too, you have to quickly even emotionally like cut losses or cut things where like your, your Disney analogy, right? Where mm -hmm. emotionally it might be difficult to let go of this top 10 stock, but you kind of say, Hey, I don't, I don't believe that world right now. Yeah. And it wasn't a top 10 stock per se as it was one of my eight to 80 companies. It was like, I get this. These are what this is a company that every time it's down 30%, it'd be crazy not to buy it. But this time being down 30%, it may stay in a different range because of the social changes and the demand changes. Therefore it can't be an eight to 80 brand anymore. It's not about being a top mm. 10 stock in the world. It's about what fits in my world in a new eight to 80 world. And I don't think anybody knows the answers. I think we know that resiliency wise, Netflix, Apple, um, uh, Amazon, uh, but I may have to add some new names, whether it's Teladoc or whether, cause these may become household brands. What could be Slack becomes a household name. It could be Zoom could all of a sudden become an eight to 80 brand. So meaning why would I hold Disney if Zoom's going to be a new eight to 80 brand? So it's not about yeah, the top no. 10, it's about what are the companies that are bulletproof that I'm comfortable owning for 20 years? And there's no such thing as bulletproof, meaning you constantly got to reevaluate it based on the circumstances we're in. And what platforms do you use to Wait a minute, I think I need to charge you for this podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, one more question, and then I got to end it with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what what platform do you recommend using? Like, what do you use to? Oh, to good question. Trade? So obviously I think prices are all that matters. Like for a person like you, you don't need to get into the fundamentals. I think market cap, no learning what market caps are relative to other market caps. So I think, I think for a geek like yourself, you should download Koifin, K O Y F I N.com. One of our portfolio mm -hmm. companies and just put it on your desktop and create your watch list. Different ones you can create and you can, you just start mm -hmm. following prices. And just start getting and used what, to how companies... And what do, you, what do you buy and trade on? Uh, I use different... I use Robinhood. I use uh, uh, and Morgan Stanley. And then I have uh, mm -hmm. TD Ameritrade. So I have, like, I'm redundant at three places. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You got to send a picture of your setup someday. Your, your, the uh, setup is nothing. My iPhone is generally my setup. And Koifin is the first time... And the reason we invested in Koifin, it's the first time in 10 years that I cared about having a laptop set up. Meaning I don't trade from my laptop. I call a broker because I want to have the redundancy of someone listening to me express my idea. Uh, not to tell me I'm dumb or smart, just to slow me down. And, yeah. and then my mobile phone is just because I know what I want to do and I just execute it. And I don't want to pay commissions or talk to anybody. And that's it. That's the world I see yeah. for everybody. And, and I don't think people have still... I mean, you haven't really got into that world yet and they never will, but I know that a percentage of people will think the way I'm thinking because the products are so good that once you yeah. spend time on them, you know what I mean? And so like for Koifin, it's, it's at scale, much different, but people live on their Bloombergs. But once they had to go home from the banks and they don't have their Bloomberg uh, and Koifin had all the keystrokes that Bloomberg had, um, now all these people are this like, product looks, this product looks great. It's fantastic. But you understand like unintended consequences, yeah. you paid two yeah. grand for my Bloomberg. As long as the bank's paying two grand, it's okay. Cause I got chat and I got everything. But if I'm stuck at home for three months, Koifin works pretty damn good and it's free. And then you get stuck in that platform. So there's all kinds of different unintended circumstances. 
Okay, awesome. one last question for you. One, one last me. question for you. Uh, how do you juggle the two? Uh, like very few people have their own fund and are a partner in another fund. So how, so how do you juggle that? Um, yeah, I work backwards. So every Monday I've been going to, you know, either the Lightspeed meeting, partner meeting for the last two years, or um, the GGV meeting, or before that the bullpen meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's just how I do it. And like you, you know, we work every day, and I'm looking at deals and talking to entrepreneurs every day. And the way I juggle it now is that Lightspeed is such a huge fund and such a life cycle investor. And what I'm doing is so small and craft and niche that there's really no conflict at all. Um, and so it's not really that difficult. I think, you know, over time with Lightspeed, you know, it remains to be seen. Do I invest on their behalf? Maybe I do one big deal a year. You know, maybe I've got a, a an entrepreneur friend who is raising a growth round and I sponsor the investment out of there, but it's all TBD. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I kind of manage it by just blocking off Monday. And then I have a team at Haystack that, you know, helps me get more leverage. Mm -hmm. And, um, I try not to make promises I can't keep. That's my big mantra is like to founders, to LPs, to other syndicate partners, you know, we're just trying to own five to 10% of the companies we invest in. Uh, we're not trying to be big boy investors. We're not trying to own the cap table. And, you know, there's a lot to go around. So just trying to meet good people. And, you know, like you, I love what I do. So it doesn't feel like work. So it's not even about. Oh, you love what you do. I mean, I love what I do. I just have split lives, yeah. uh, even though. Yeah. But I think people get confused because in the times like this, I'm covering the market. But that doesn't mean 90% of my time isn't talking to founders. Meaning I've I've learned yeah, yeah. I've learned to do the Robin Hood, Coifin, Morgan's, you know, in a phone call very efficiently. Yeah. But that's from oh, 30 well, years mean, of doing it. And that's just I mean, out of passion. You can't do what I do. I'm not trying to yeah. brag. I'm just trying to say, I don't think anybody should do what I do. I'm not saying it's but good or bad. But think about your like your interest in fintech, right? Mm-hmm. Which is completely organic and natural. Yep. Fintech, in terms of market value creation worldwide, is going to surpass social media. Yeah, look at what Stripe announced today saying they're going to integrate with medical, yeah. with uh, telemedicine. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. That's the biggest yeah. news I've heard in 20 years, maybe. And now, maybe I'm exact. I haven't really dug into that. Fucking A. I've already yeah. had two med- telemedicine appointments from one, one was a six-year-old doctor of mine, woman. Yeah. And we're talking about the stock market. She's asking me questions yeah. on my fucking telemedicine call. Uh, so I got to bill her. So I don't, yeah. we got to figure yeah. out cross billing. <laughs> she bills me 80 bucks to look at my prostate yeah. over the phone and, yeah. uh, I give her portfolio <laughs> advice for $200. So Stripe will solve that problem. So, so, uh, you know, the passion that I'm trying to teach people is you need to, yeah. the edge that you need is co- like when we invested in Coifin is only cause I love the product. You know, there's no business plan. I just said the way they're organizing data for the next generation of investor for the price that it's at is impossible that they could have pulled this off maybe ahead of its time. And it's still ahead of its time. But then COVID comes around and everybody's now needs that information on their desktop from home and it's tripled in size, you know, off a little base. But, But what I'm saying is now those people have a new tool that they might get addicted to. Exactly. And I couldn't have predicted that. I couldn't have predicted that. It's amazing. So I think where you and I agree is find great founders with great products. Oh. And sometimes you get run over, of course, by certain things that change. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's where we're very similar in that way. Um, And so, yeah, it doesn't, you know, to answer your question, it doesn't feel like balancing. I've known, you know, the folks at GGV or the folks at Bullpen or now the folks at Lightspeed, I've known the founders and the GPs there for years. It's just like, hey, yeah. what I are we doing, right? And yeah. and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think you have the one edge in VC that very few people realize. That's why I'm excited to always talk to you is that because you're friends and, and layered in at so many firms through your, your – you do mm-hmm. – you do something that very well, no other VCs do is you have your own firm, but you're also kind of worked inside these other firms and have the relationship with Lightspeed. So you see more than most people. So, yeah. I, yeah. I'm also like, I also keep like standing calls with like five or six other firms um, and trade a lot of notes and learnings. And so, 
you know, I'm a geek about it, so I like it. But yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a really privileged position to be in. So well, one with that, it's privileged. I agree, I'm privileged. Uh, at least we acknowledge that, and it's always fun talking to you. Thanks for interviewing me. I'll make sure that I mention that it's mostly uh, you asking me questions when I promote this. <laughs> but you're kind of a reporter. You were always kind of like that. I just like to learn me. from you, Howard. I don't know. All right, you ask me questions. You're the man. But good eggs. Good eggs. Good eggs was genius. Got Josh as a legend. So you know that's what happens. Legend, <laughs> legend, compliment legends just somehow know how to make money. Well, the recap, just so you know, was 150 post. It's still like, a, like not much of a recap, obviously, but I mean, just sticking with something and, and kind of feeling their way through these things, that makes what's what makes oh, legends. Yeah. yeah. Totally, totally. All right, my man. Totally. All right, gentlemen. Thank Talk you. To you. on the other side. Yep. Cheers. Yep. Bye. Good man, huh? Yeah. The uh, very interesting ground level take on the world of uh, investing. Very feel, uh, very uh, founder friendly, but obviously tough as well. All right, everybody, we'll be back soon with another Panic with Friends.